Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and I'm so grateful to join with you by means of this podcast technology. As I record this, I am at my family's home in Maine. The tide is very high. My dog Bodie and my cat Sattva are both sleeping soundly nearby. And (laughs) I feel blessed. I feel very blessed, even though my special headset for recording the podcast is not working, so I'm using other means and methods. You may not get the sound quality I normally like to offer, but I decided to go ahead anyway and not let the technology be a stumbling block to our joining. So let's let's have a prayer. I'm going to place my hand in my heart here. Take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that love is all there is. Love is what we are now and forever without end. We are grateful to allow ourselves to truly know and to truly live the truth. The truth, A Course in Miracles, is the truth. It is our guide out of suffering and sacrifice. We're grateful to open ourselves to infinite, unlimited joy and peace and harmony. We are sharing the benefits with everyone. We are in right relationship with all of life. We know it's true. We know it's good. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) I've had a lot of activity in my life in the last week or so, and uh, a lot of fun. I've been able to spend a lot of time with dear friends, with my brother. Uh, I I spent the weekend with Lisa, Natoli, and Bill Free at their house, and then they came and visited me at our house in Maine. My brother was here. And it's been so nice, so, so nice to have the time with friends, with loved ones. And now it's me and the fur babies, and I'm getting back to work. (laughs) And I love this topic that Spirit just started giving me in the last week or so, which is the body as mighty companion. 
The body is mighty companion. So I've uh, been talking with Bill and Lisa and other friends who are participating in this five-month program I'm putting together called Change Your Mind About Your Body. And so this is uh, very much in the forefront of my mind. I'm teaching the prayer power classes, so prayer is in the front of my mind. I just uh, I feel so blessed to keep my attention on the truth, on spirit, on spiritual principle and that practical application. I'm also getting ready for uh, the Course of Miracles, Living a Course of Miracles One Day Conference that the Miracle Network is putting on, the UK group that I love so much and have been affiliated with and for a long, long time now. I love working with everyone there. And the conference that they're doing on Zoom next Saturday, May 13th, is uh, we've got Alan Cohen and Robert Holden, Gary and Cindy Renard. I just got to see them in Los Angeles and have quality time with them, have dinner with them. So, uh, uh, And Kate Greaves is one of the teachers. Uh, it's going to be a love fest. I encourage you to check it out. Go to jenniferhadley.com on the events page. You'll find the link there. Uh, so lots of wonderful things coming up. I feel so excited. And I'm looking for the opportunity to do in-person events later in the year. So I'm going to see about doing a forgiveness retreat I'm going to see about doing my spiritual counseling training intensive in person. And I am doing this wonderful, very fun Camino trip, walking on the Camino along the coast of Portugal into Spain. Uh, with We have a great group that's coming so far. And I'm going to be doing a Zoom gathering for people who have questions, people who are interested, people who are coming, so we can talk uh, together about everything. And with the woman who's our guide, she's done it a bunch of times. In fact, how I know her is from Lisa and Bill because uh, she was a friend of Lisa's and then... Uh, they mentioned about going to the Camino, and this woman, Jennifer Johnson, she put together a Camino trip for Lisa and Bill, and they loved it so much. They did it two years in a row. Just loved it so, so much. So I've heard so many friends tell me their wonderful stories of walking the Camino, and we are going to have a lot of fun. I'm so looking forward to just being outside with friends and eating wonderful food, stopping at all kinds of cafes, and taking it at a leisurely pace. We're not going to set any records, and anybody who wants to only walk a small amount each day can just take a taxi, meet us at the next cafe. Uh, <laughs> Lisa and I, it's all about stopping for coffee. <laughs> so um, I'm... After just spending all this time with them, I'm totally even more excited about this trip. So it starts uh, 
the beginning of October for a couple of weeks. And if you like, do what I'm doing. Add on a few days in Barcelona. Come join me in Barcelona and we'll just hang out as I adjust to the time zone difference and uh, acclimate and get ready for the community. All right, let's talk about the body as mighty companion. So as I've been in contemplation about the uh, Change Your Mind About Your Body program and reviewing my own life experiences of how my mind has changed so, so much about my body, and as a result, my experience of my body has changed so much, what I've realized through this contemplation is my body has become a mighty companion to me. So I recognize I am not my body. And of course, I, I fall into feeling like I am my body, identified with my body. But more and more, I see my body as this wonderful tool that I have, this wonderful opportunity to work at the level of the mind and see the shifts and changes in the world of form, the form being my body form. And so, yes, I am not a body, but this body <laughs> that I'm using the vocal cords in right now, this body, I claim it as my body, my mighty companion friend body. And... It is my responsibility to make sure that this body is well cared for so that it can serve my experience in this world. And it gives me opportunity to work at the level of the mind every day. I've been having conversations, as I said, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free on these topics as we always do. We just range from one topic to another, mostly spiritual because that's what we're both so, all three of us are so interested in and reviewing things that have happened with my body that have helped me to see I am not my body and that I can change my mind about my body. And like a lot of people, it's been a real journey for me that I've had so many experiences, especially when I was younger, where I didn't feel good about my body. I felt confused about my body. I can remember the earliest things about my body were when I was around five years old. I was taking ballet lessons and... I think that was a thing maybe that my parents felt would be good for me and hopefully they thought it would be fun for me. And what I remember is hearing my mother maybe tell somebody that they were not going to continue the ballet lessons for me because ballet teacher had said I would never be successful at it, that I, I just didn't have the ability. I remember 
making the meaning of it at the time that there was something wrong with my body, that my body wasn't flexible, my body couldn't do the things that were needed to be done in ballet class. And I know for a fact, or so it seems now, sometimes the past is just a, <laughs> just smoke and mirrors, don't really know what's true. But what I, I'll say this, instead of saying it's a fact, what I know now, what I believe is that I took from that this feeling that I wasn't flexible enough that I was actually lacking in flexibility. I had flexibility problems. I had problems in my body, and that's why I couldn't continue in ballet. And so I felt like at five years old, I failed ballet because of my body. And that's the earliest memories I have related to my thoughts about my body. So my early memories were not, oh, what a wonderful body I have. Oh, how wonderful it is to be in the body. But instead, this sense of failure and shame. Truth be told, yes, that's how it felt to me. Not catastrophic, but I know that I took that with me, this sense of Something's not good about my body. And then as I grew up, and I was, I think, a normal kid, a normal size, whatever normal is, but not feeling that I stood out in any way physically until I became nine years old, going on 10 years old, and that's when I started to fill out, as a young woman, my breasts developing. And then what happened was I, I didn't want these breasts. They came too early, nine going on 10, so young. And um, there was such a curiosity for everybody boys and girls, myself, what's happening here? And it began a, a, a very long period of getting groped and grabbed in an unwanted way. So uh, I had a lot of distress over that. I didn't like that. I didn't like being groped and grabbed. I didn't like being molested. Uh, and and that men and boys felt that they could do that, and then they blamed me for it. It was my fault. They couldn't keep their hands off me, and that went on for many years. I don't have any of that experience now, and I think it's just how I live my life more than anything else. But... Um, it was a real issue for me, and when I was 12, I think, is when I started menstruating, and I was my first, I was the first one amongst my friends to be menstruating, and I didn't have an older sister, 
although my friends had older sisters. Uh, it wasn't things, it wasn't anything people talked about, really. And I didn't like any of that. All of it just felt, oh, I wish I wasn't a girl. This is hard. This is too much for me. So I developed all this stuff, and then I had all kinds of issues with food, and then I started gaining weight, and then I'm trying to lose weight because I didn't want to be overweight, whatever that means. And so all of this began this long experience of feeling like my body was an adversary. And being a spiritual counselor now for 20-some years, I've had I don't know how many conversations with people who also have felt like their body was their adversary instead of their mighty companion, the body as an enemy, thwarting them from living the life that they'd like to live, breaking down on them, not being able to do what they needed, and on and on and on. We've all had so many body issues. And why? Because this is the number two tool that we have to work at the level of the mind. And that's right out of A Course in Miracles. Relationships, number one. Body, number two. So to me, I... I, I could go on and on and on for hours on this topic, and I will, and change your mind about your body. But I remember when I came back to the United States from Europe in the fall of 2014, and I had put on some weight in, in my time in Europe, uh, not exercising as much, and... Um, eating different foods and different times and whatnot. Um, and when I came back to the United States, <clears throat> I felt as though I wanted to get back to where my body had been. More fit, more trim, where I felt more comfortable, where my clothes fit. And, But I was very clear. I did not want the ego to be driving the shifts and changes that I was interested in for my body. I did not want to do it from that place of thinking that my body was bad and wrong, that I was bad and wrong, and to drive myself for in whatever ways to slim down, get fit again. Instead, I made a conscious decision, and I bet you I talked about this at the time in the podcast episodes then. I don't go back and listen to them, so I don't know. Uh, but I can't imagine that I wouldn't have talked about it at the time. And so I made the decision to do whatever I was going to do inspired by spirit, motivated by spirit. So that began another kind of a journey. And through all these different thought patterns, experiences, 
what I've come to see is that the body manifests in form my thoughts and my feelings in ways that I can work with it very directly. And I've seen my thoughts change about my body and my body change. And I've seen it from the standpoint of having negative thoughts about my body and my body change in ways I didn't like, didn't feel good about it. And I've seen myself have loving and kind and compassionate thoughts about my body. And I've seen my body change to have more vitality, more health, and that I simply feel better in my experience of body connection. So it's a journey, and we're all on this journey. Now, in A Course in Miracles, in the text, chapter 31, section 6, is entitled Recognizing the Spirit. So we're here at the end of the text, basically. We're right up on the end of it. Recognizing Spirit. And it begins with this. You see the flesh or recognize the spirit. There is no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. For what is real denies its opposite. You see the flesh or you recognize the spirit. It's one or the other all the time. That's it. There's no other possibility. So you see yourself as a body or you see yourself as spirit. That's it. One or the other. For me personally, when there's that level of clarity, it's very helpful to me. I can see myself as a body or I can see myself as spirit. If I see myself as a body, then I won't recognize spirit. Remember, this section is entitled Recognizing the Spirit. This is why it is so fruitful, so helpful, so liberating to do this work about changing our mind about the body. You see yourself as the body or you see yourself as the spirit. If you see yourself as a body, you won't recognize the spirit. He goes on to say there's no compromise between the two. If one is real, the other must be false. So if we make the body real, then spirit has to be false. For what is real denies its opposite. When we recognize we are spirit, we aren't a body, then the truth sets us free from the illusion and delusion that we are a body, living in lack and limitation. He goes on, there is no choice in vision but this one, seeing ourselves as spirit. What you decide in this determines all you see and think 
is real and hold us true. What you decide in this way of viewing yourself as spirit or the body, what you decide in this determines all you see and think is real and hold as true. Wow, that's a big decision. That's a big decision. So for me, it, it can almost be overwhelming to think about this. It can almost be overwhelming to realize how life-changing, how important, how valuable this decision is. And so I've learned to just give it to spirit. I'm interested in the truth. I'd like the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. <laughs> help me to let go of any attachment I have to the false and let me focus on the truth. And then in my experience, if I really mean it, the truth is revealed to me. Reality, true reality is revealed to me. Ooh, so good. On this one choice, does all your world depend? For here, you have established what you are as flesh or spirit in your own belief. If you choose flesh, you will never escape the body as your own reality, for you have chosen that you want it so. But choose the spirit, and all heaven bends to touch your eyes and bless your holy sight, that you may see the world of flesh no more except to heal and comfort and to bless. Can we give up our attachments to how the body looks and feels? At the same time, energizing what we'd like. This is the deep, deep practice that is coming our way in every area of life. And speaking of coming our way, here comes my commercial break. So it's time for me to... Acquiesce for a little bit, and then I'll be right back with more from A Course in Miracles and seeing the body as a mighty companion. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. We're talking about the body as a mighty companion. A mighty companion in assisting us in seeing things correctly, seeing ourselves correctly, seeing our brothers and sisters correctly. What I, I find helpful to focus on instead of how difficult it might seem or how challenging it might feel feel, instead of focusing on that, focusing on it's what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter where I begin, it matters that I am doing this. I am 
allowing the healing of my mind. I am willing to see that I am not a body, but I have a body. And so while I have a body, let me see it correctly. Let me take care of it with love and kindness and compassion. And let me learn all the things that the body can be that learning tool to teach me. Let's have a holy relationship with our body. Let's be in that mighty companion relationship with the body. Instead of feeling like the body is an enemy or in the way or a difficulty, a burden. So if we just take a moment right here and think about or allow ourselves to have bubble up to the surface what it is we believe and think about the body. What is it that is the impetus, what thoughts and beliefs are the impetus for how we care for the body or don't care for the body, how we treat the body. Giving ourselves some space mentally to allow for our thoughts and beliefs to come to the surface of our awareness so that we can actually be aware of what our true thoughts and beliefs are. Because many of us are so used to ignoring, denying, running from what our true thoughts and beliefs are. And especially as relates to the body, when we feel that our thoughts about our body are our thoughts about ourselves. Now, in paragraph two in this section, again, is chapter 31, section six, recognizing the spirit. Here, we're told salvation is undoing. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things and happenings that make no sense at all. So salvation is undoing the beliefs, the thoughts, and many times when we bring the light of our awareness, because the light of our awareness is that mind of God, that clarity, when we bring uh, the light of our attention to the thoughts that aren't true, the false beliefs, the opinions, the labels, the projections and perceptions, then simply by placing our attention on them, our belief in them and our attachment to them can dissipate, it can fade, it can instantaneously dissolve. So it's very helpful, very powerful to be in the habit of pausing to look at what is it we really think and really believe. For me, it has been 
such a deep and healing spiritual practice to look at all the judgments and opinions I have and all the ones that I used to have. And instead of making them wrong or bad, simply saying, oh, that was a misperception. I'm not a bad person for having a misperception. I'm not a bad person for having a judgment or having an opinion. Nothing I do or think or say can make me a bad person is how I look at it. However, I can be unloving in my choices. I can be unkind in my choices. But that doesn't make me bad. It's been very helpful to really see myself and everyone else as fundamentally good. And thoughts as either loving or unloving with no gray area. Just like he talks about you either identify as the body or you identify as spirit. It's one or the other. There's no a sort of, kind of. I, I would say, honestly, I'm still in that place where I can... fall into misperceptions. And when I do, there's always a healing that can happen. So I don't think of it as a bad thing or a wrong thing. I can let it be more neutral. And that's huge healing for me, huge healing for me. And I'm very grateful for that. And I don't need to pretend that I didn't have the thoughts I used to have. Because it's been helpful to me to realize the nature of these thoughts I used to have. And the used to have thoughts could be yesterday's thoughts. They could be thoughts from 25 years ago. It doesn't really matter. The past is the past. So salvation is undoing our attachments to the past. Salvation is undoing our attachments to the ego thought system and our attachments to the body. If you choose to see the body, you behold a world of separation, unrelated things and happenings that make no sense at all. This one appears and disappears in death. That one is doomed to suffering and loss. And no one is exactly as he was an instant previous nor will he be the same as he is now, an instant hence. Who could have trust where so much change is seen? For who is worthy if he be but dust? Salvation is undoing all of this, for constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they choose to let it go instead. Constancy arises in the sight of those whose eyes salvation has released from looking at the cost of keeping guilt because they chose to let it go instead.
Hmm. That's why, to me, the practice can be so simple. Here he's using, they chose to let it go instead. Because they chose to let it go instead. They chose to take responsibility for sight without blame. He goes on, salvation does not ask that you behold the spirit and perceive the body not. It merely asks that this should be your choice. For you can see the body without help, but do not understand how to behold a world apart from it. It is your world salvation will undo and let you see another world your eyes could never find. Be not concerned how this could ever be. You do not understand what you see arose to meet your sight. So again, this is very important. We don't see what we'd like to see. We see what we're afraid of. We see what we fear. We see what we believe in. When you believe it, you'll see it. So, in this, he's telling us if we can start with this, I'm interested in seeing myself and everyone else as spirit and not as a body. So one way to begin that is to really start to think, okay, this is not, this body is not who I am. Let me start, for me, I like to start with languaging. So I am not a body. I am pure spirit. And for me, it's also very helpful, like sometimes people will say, what would you like to eat? And I know I, I will do this. I'll say, well, I can feel like this is what, let's say, the body wants. Well, does the body want it or does the mind want it? Does the mind want uh, a salad or does the mind want ice cream? Does the mind want whatever it is? And is there a reasoning behind that? People talk about the body cravings. Does the body have cravings or is it all in the mind? Not the brain, but the mind. So these are important questions for us to ponder and to get to what is it we believe. Even if what we believe isn't correct and isn't helpful, let's just be clear about that which we believe so we can move into the undoing of the false beliefs. So many times it's been helpful to me to have a realization of what I believe, and as soon as I recognize what it is, then I know, oh, that's not true. It's what I believe, but it's not true. And that moment of realization is healing to me. Now, one of the most helpful teachings 
from Ernest Holmes, Science of the Mind, is that healing does not take time. The only time that it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. Because in our human experience, people are frequently telling us that healing takes time. And because we believe that, we experience that. But Jesus also talks about how time can waste us. And that this, to me, this belief that time heals anything is not only crazy, it's false, but it's also destructive. It's self-destructive to think that time heals anything. Time heals all wounds. That's such a familiar statement. And we buy into it, yes, because then we look at the world through the lens of the belief that time heals all wounds, and we can make the meaning of the healing that we've seen in the world as, oh, it took time for that. But it does not take time to have a healing. The only time that it takes to have a healing of any time, of any kind, rather, is the time that it takes to have a realization of truth. Truth is the healer, not time. So for me, being willing to look at the false beliefs without going into this analysis of my thoughts, really, it's opening my awareness to that higher Holy Spirit self and inviting the clarity, inviting the realizations, aligning with truth through my willingness. My willingness is all that's required. And then that higher Holy Spirit self will bring into the awareness of my personality what's not true. Because I'm intent on releasing my attachments to the false. Salvation is undoing our attachments to the false. Salvation is undoing the habitual mind, the habitual repeating of the false beliefs. One of the things that I've seen that's been so impressive to me is working with folks who've had chronic illness and chronic body issues is that all of those challenges and difficulties force them to pay attention to their thoughts about their body. And so when they're willing to work with their mind about the body and shift the way they're holding the body in their mind, then they see the body change. And that's exactly what's happened for me. So we don't change the mind about the body by changing the body first. We don't try to change the world in order to feel better. It's a losing proposition 
we will keep ourselves on a hamster wheel if we think that changing the world will make us feel better. It just doesn't work. But it is very, very attractive to the ego identity to seek to change the world rather than to change our mind about the world. That we think that if these things could be changed in the world, then I'll be happy. That is foundational to the ego thought system. So the body gives us a perfect opportunity to work at the level of the mind and see that when I change my thoughts, I have a different experience in my body. And boy, have I seen that be true in my life. So this is what's led me to this thinking of my body as a mighty companion in this journey of freeing my mind. It's been so helpful. You know, um, one of the favorite quotes, and I know I've mentioned this many time, it, times, is what Jesus has to say in the text about meditation. And this is from chapter 18, section 7, paragraph 4, where he says, This course aims at saving time. You may be attempting to follow a very long road to the goal you've accepted. It's extremely difficult to reach atonement by fighting against sin. Enormous effort is expended in the attempt to make holy what is hated and despised. So there's more to this quote, but just pausing here and saying there's enormous effort expended in the attempt to make holy the body which is hated and despised. Many people have a hatred for their body and they also fear their body because they attribute their sexual impulses that frighten them or lack of sexual interest that frightens them, all kinds of things related to sexuality, they attribute to the body being a problem. When it's not the body, the body is neutral, it's their thoughts about the body that are the challenge. So going on here, Jesus says, nor is a lifetime of contemplation and long periods of meditation aimed at detachment from the body necessary. All such attempts will ultimately succeed because of their purpose. So the attempts will succeed because of their purpose. The purpose is awakening. The purpose is enlightenment. But, he goes on to say here, the means are tedious and very time-consuming. For all of them look to the future for release from a state of present unworthiness and inadequacy. So if we think that changing the body will give us this feeling of worthiness, this feeling of, of being more than adequate or good, 
or wonderful or special, if that's what we're looking for from the body is some kind of validation, whew, we're looking in the wrong place. We're on a journey of difficulty, great difficulty. The means are tedious and very time-consuming, for all of them look to the future for release from a present state of unworthiness and inadequacy. So if we think that we'll be more lovable when we're at a higher weight or a lower weight or when we're more fit or when we have a, a bigger breasts or a bigger penis or a smaller breasts or a bigger butt or a small, whatever it is that we think is making us unattractive. If we think that we need to change these things, then we are putting our happiness in the future. And we're also investing in seeing ourselves as a body, and none of that will bring us happiness. None of that will bring us release from this current state of unworthiness and inadequacy. He says, your way will be different, not in purpose, but in means. A holy relationship is a means of saving time. So what I am suggesting is cultivating the willingness to have a holy relationship with the body, having a holy relationship with the body. So I invite you to simply entertain that. I'd like to have a holy relationship with my body. For me, making that choice, that decision, that intention to have a holy relationship with my body has helped me to work with realizing I am not a body, but I have a relationship with this body. I am its caregiver. And just like if I were the caregiver of a, a child or another person, I, I've cared for people, I've cared for children, I've cared for adults. And I, in, in my role as a minister, there are many people in my life that I care for. I might not be their caregiver, but many that I care for, of course. And so in that caregiving, in that relationship, having the intention and the desire to have a holy relationship with everybody in my life, then I'm going to, as a baseline spiritual practice, treat them kindly, hold them lovingly in my mind, see their true identity. I have a body to help me. I'm inviting you to contemplate this. See what feels good to you. Seek not to change your body, but to change your mind about your body. That's what we are doing. Oh my goodness, so good. And here's our time, our music. I'm going to say a prayer. We're grateful, we're thankful that the love of God is all that there is and all that we are. We're sharing the benefits of our healing.